Do you think your early 20s contributed to the lack of ego that you have and, and the oh, humility yeah. that oh, you yeah. carry um, yourself with? Yes. Uh, you know, success, for one, success is a terrible teacher because it gives you the illusion right. you can do no wrong, that you're invincible. And so failure early on in my life was very important and helped set the stage for me to be prepared to be where I'm at today. Because I can tell you right now, had you picked me up from day one when we opened up in, in 93, January 11th of 93, and waited, when I stood there waiting for that very first car to pull in the parking lot, had you picked me up and dropped me into the future, I would have thought I was hallucinating. Because never in my mind did I imagine that I would one day own a, a, a corporate jet, uh, fly all around the world, uh, get to experience the life that I get to experience. And, and although it's great, you still can only do so much with your time and, and money and, and I don't uh, I'm not a jewelry guy and, and um, I'm not really even a car guy I own one vehicle it's a very nice vehicle it's a AMG S65 mm -hmm. the V12 but that's it I only have one I don't have a garage full uh, I don't have motorcycles uh, I have one house I have one wife so you know I, the, your joy, I think, in life is not going to come from materialism, but really impacting the lives of other people. And Absolutely. that's what we do, and that's what I get my most enjoyment from. And that's a beautiful thing to hear, um, but I feel like we lack that in this day and age, and everybody from young to older, everybody wants to flex on other people, everybody wants to have the nicer car, the bigger house, the more attractive spouse, let's call her partner, whatever. It's always like it's a competition and, and everyone's trying to climb the hierarchy. How do you avoid that? Well, uh, if, you fall in, if anyone falls into that trap by defining themselves through the eyes of other people, it's, it's over. That's, and I see it. I had a, a, someone come to my office one day and this, this young man was in late 20s. He's broke and he pulls up in this Mercedes E-Class, I believe. And I told him, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You're broke, and you, you, you're driving something you cannot afford. Why would you do that to yourself? But they have, people get lost in that image of trying to be something they're not to other people. And it goes back to that saying, you know, don't spend money you don't have to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like. Right. And that's what people do all the time. And, and, and that competition level goes on even with successful people. There are, there are people that, um, that are just competing because they, for whatever reason, but... Really, your, your competition should be yourself. You should be a better version of yourself each and every day. And that's all you should be focused on, period. You know? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, that's also part of why this podcast is called The Flex Coach, because I was having these similar conversations with uh, my friends, and I was just paying attention to the same sort of thing, where I'm noticing people do certain things out of their means to impress people they don't even know. And it just commenting on that um kind of resulted in this being called the flex coach but it's i've always been fascinated by that and i'm curious to hear your perspective on why you think that competitive sort of need to impress and and one-up each other exists i just think people want to uh, identify with something and unfortunately they they believe it's material materialism mm. and that's that's just a trap and, and it's because we're very visual uh, a very visual society. I mean, we're there. We're, be, we're being bombarded with all kinds of ads, and we see all kinds of things, and and so that we perceive that as being reality when, in fact, it's not. Um, I, you know, when when I went broke, um, I remember returning a vehicle 
uh, Ford Bronco to the dealership because I could no longer afford the $420.91 payment. I remember that payment because it was hard to make. But I returned it. I, I, it wasn't beneath me to readjust my life to, to basically, you know, I'm, you're, you're down but you're not out. And it's important that, um, you know, you, you, you run your, your house the way you're supposed to, which is live within your means. And so I remember returning that vehicle. And I remember turning around looking at it, thinking to myself, okay, I'm down, but I'm, I'm not out. Uh, there's going to be more opportunities in, in front of me. But, yeah, um, I lost my house at for, uh, to foreclosure at age 26 or 25. And uh, and now I just built a new house in West Jude and no debt on it. I paid it cash, and, and that's the way I like to live. Personally, I like to live zero debt, personally. Business debt's different. It's all about the balance sheet. Right. And I don't like a lot of debt. Uh, my son, uh, who's a Wharton MBA grad, um, he sees things a little differently. Um, you know, when it comes to debt, he's more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am only to a degree. And, you know, in our business, it's, it's about, uh, all businesses really, it's about cash flow. Yeah, you absolutely. Have, you got to have strong cash flow. Going back to the internal nature of your, of your mind, when you have to return that car or when your house is foreclosed, how do you maintain that level of self-belief? How, how are you not deterred by the emotional response that those situations generate? Well, which I'm sure you are. I'm not downplaying the effects of that. But. No, well, I do remember when I was working at El Toro in Laporte, I'd gone to this uh, banquet, this luncheon, and the company that catered it um, was very professional, did a great job from, from the buffet line to the plating of the tables to the staff uniforms. And so I, I must have been, I don't know, 23 at the time. And I remember walking up to the lady who owned the company. She may have been in her late 30s, early 40s. And uh, I complimented the whole, the whole thing they were doing. And she, um, she found out that I was also in the restaurant business at the time working at El Toro and Laporte. And she, um, she asked me, so do y'all do catering? And I don't remember exactly what I said to her, mm-hmm. but she stopped me mid-sentence and said, you know what? If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. And it was literally like she took a two-by-four and hit me upside the head because she was right. If you cannot believe in yourself first, you're not going anywhere. You have to have confidence, self-confidence, because uh, uh, it starts there to, to even begin the journey. And so believe in yourself. You know, what, whatever you learn, whatever you know, uh, you know, just believe in yourself and keep moving. That's all you can do. Yeah. I feel like that's an active process, though, especially when life throws all these things at you, situations, variables of life. You actively have to remind yourself that it is possible or I can do it. But that almost comes from a constant or intermittent sort of consumption of content or material or conversations with people that reignite that sort of belief within you. So in your journey, um, that lady certainly um, contributed, but how were you actively maintaining that? Or was it just through your action? Well, you know, um, I, I guess one of the things, again, when, when I was prior to Gringo's uh, and, and all the failures I experienced, when I had changed my approach uh, and, and changed my focus, there was a time, because we opened in January of 93, by May of 93, 
that month we may have done 50,000 for the month. Um, I remember, and it started climbing incrementally, but it was still, it was just better than I had expected. I, I remember, okay, I, I think, or thinking to myself, okay, I may have figured this thing out. And it is about consistency, it is about quality, it is about value, uh, about um, cleanliness, um, you know, your people. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, in our business, we deal so much with the senses, uh, the sense of taste, obviously, the sense of smell, the sight, what you hear, what you touch and feel. So all these things are important in our industry, and, and it's one of the hardest businesses to make money at, and, and for good reason, because you're trying to uh, tap into what people are going to like and flavor profiles and portions and price point and just so many factors. And then to think that, in my case, I have 2,500 plus team members working for me. I am only successful if they do their job. That's the only reason I'm successful. So how do you do that? that that's, that's the tricky part of this business, and especially if you want to grow. There's a lot of single unit operators that do a great job with one unit. They may do okay with two, but once you hit that third and fourth, everything changes. And that's why a lot of them just can't get beyond that. It's, it's because at the end of the day, we're a people business. And like Herb Kelleher said with Southwest Airlines, the business of business is people yesterday, today, and forever. And um, so your focus has to be your people at the end of the day. Yeah. Everything about them. He was, um, he was an absolute legend. Uh, someone showed me a video or a commercial of his. We started rapping. Yeah. And this was back in the day, like that was a big deal for him to be doing that. Oh yeah, yeah, he, he definitely um, did things outside the box for sure. Yeah. And he was also people-centric, he used his own product, yep. he flew on his own product, yep. which is I think a testament to the level of quality and, and you know his belief in what he was doing, which is the same thing you said, if you're not gonna eat it, like you wouldn't wanna serve it. Right. Um, what are some other people that have sort of inspired you or that you've taken uh, some elements or lessons from? Well, when uh, I was, when I started El Matador Tortilla Factory in the late 80s, actually the early 80s, but we didn't expand the factory till the late 80s, um, I called on a lot of restaurants to buy the product, tortilla products, and it's the chips that you get at the table, basically. And a lot of them wouldn't buy from me because uh, what I refer to as guilt by association. They knew our family had restaurants, so they said, well, we're, you know, we won't buy from you because you're you know, a competitor. And so there was a couple of restaurants that did buy from me, and I'm forever grateful, but one of them was Larry Forehand, the founder of Casa Ole. And so Larry uh, gave me a shot, gave me a chance. But uh, as far as the brands out there that influenced me, his did to a degree. Um, one of the things they did was they, they pre-packed all their spices uh, for taco meat, everything, uh, salsa, mm -hmm. queso, rice, you name it. And so we use that today. All our spices are pre-packed and that's how we maintain consistency from location to location, batch to batch. And so Larry uh, did that and something else he, uh, he did uh, whenever he would mail checks, because we did sell product for a time being, whenever uh, he would mail checks, all the checks would come in at different, for each location was a different color check. I mean, it's not a big deal, but but it's something that I applied in our business. So every one of our restaurants, their checks are different, a different color, yellow, white, blue, whatever, not white, but yellow, blue, right. red, or whatever, pink. Um, and then um, what else did we do? Um, and of course, 
uh, Pappas, uh, they were probably the major influence in my life because I remember seeing them in the early 80s. I was very young, and they had a location on Interstate 10, and they uh, called it the Pappas Seafood House, and they were doing fantastic. And so I was working with my dad, and we had a location on Interstate 10 at Mercury Road. It never did well at all. And they were across the street down the road near Federal, and they were doing fantastic with the seafood restaurant. I was just trying to figure out, you know, what is it? Why are they busy? You know, why aren't we busy? Why are they busy? So I thought, you know, they, one of the things they had on the building was this beautiful awning that went all around the building. And I figured, hey, let's put an awning on our building. Maybe that'll help drive traffic. And I remember working with their company, actually owned the awning company that we actually ended up buying one from. It was a sister, uh, Vicky, uh, Vicky Pappas. So after they, they, she made the awning for our building, um, um, she told me that her brothers were opening up another Mexican or opening up a Mexican restaurant on uh, Richmond, and uh, I remember telling her, "Hey, tell her, to, uh, tell them to come out and, and we'll uh, visit. Um, they can visit our restaurant, see whatever." But anyway, it was, Pop it was the original Papacitos on Richmond, in 1983, when they opened. Gotcha. So, um, but what, what I've always admired about uh, Pappas is their systems. Uh, they have really great systems. And one of the one of the most important things in our business is basically basically having in our in our kitchen having uh, a designated air uh, spot or area for every single thing you have. You cannot leave it for your staff to know where this goes or that goes. It has to have an assigned home. Gotcha. Otherwise, you have total chaos in, in yeah. the kitchens, and there's no consistency for location location. Right, that makes sense. Having order and and just being efficient with everything. Um, I did want to close this out by talking about relationships. What do you think are some of the elements that contribute to maintaining relationships and, and, and successful relationships with people? Well, for one, there has to be a high level of trust and respect and transparency and, of course, integrity. I mean, it's all the elements that, that people hear about, but they don't understand really how important they really mm -hmm. are. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, your reputation, the most valuable thing you'll ever own in your entire life, you better take care of it because the world has gotten a lot smaller with, with, uh, with social media and word travels. And I remember just recently, um, this gentleman wanted me to invest in this, uh, this uh, spirit company he's developing. And I won't mention the city because they'll know who it is. But anyway, and I just called one guy that was a mutual friend of ours and asked him, hey, uh, so-and-so is asking me to invest. And he basically said, don't do it. He just said, don't do it. Um, and that's all I need to hear. So again, I'm still friends with that guy. I'll still shake his hand, talk to him. But you know, when it comes, your reputation follows you, that's all I can tell you. And, and be careful with it because it's, it's very fragile. It's, it's hard to get and easy to lose. Absolutely. Uh, it's been a pleasure, sir. Please right. let the people know where they can reach you. And uh, well, else? I'm on I'm on all the social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. You may have to send a request, a friend request on Instagram. But uh, my everything's public on Facebook and Twitter. Of course, is public as well. Yeah. yeah. Thank okay. you, sir. All right. Thank you.